You're listening to the Kingdom Project Podcast. These are discussions on biblical theology and interpretation. The emphasis is on context and grace. The goal is to promote biblical literacy by displacing and debunking most modern interpretations. The challenge is to engage in healthy conversation that may stretch, but sharpen iron. This is The Kingdom Project, and I'm your host, Marcus Hall. Well, hey everybody, what's going on? Welcome to a new episode. As you can tell by the title, I'm going to do a little bit more on the last days. So I did two sermons on rethinking the last days and sort of just left it there. Uh, put all that stuff out there on the table. And, you know, I just, it's sort of eschatology is what I've, I'm really into. So um, I'm still working on the Revelation series and all that. I think I'll record a little bit more after this. I was just getting ready to record and I said, you know, I'm going to continue the last days, you know, just for a little bit, just more last day stuff. Okay. So, um, Thanks for listening. Thanks for streaming and all that good stuff. Hit the like, you know, check us out on uh, Facebook. There's a discussion group in there, too, if you want to join. And, uh, you know, leave a comment, send an email, all that good stuff. Thanks for your support. Thanks for the encouraging words. I've received many as of late, and it's really been a blessing. So, Glad to hear that people's wills just aren't turning and spinning uh, endlessly and aimlessly anymore. They feel like things are coming into a better perspective. And that was the whole point of this, to learn how to interpret and better, better understand God's word and to displace and debunk most modern translations. So praise God for that. Um, it's actually a blessing. Thank you. All right. So. Um, actually want to see here that what, what I want us to see is to take a look at what Jesus's apostles believed, what they wrote and what they taught the people. Okay. But, um, in order to do that, then it's important for us to have a good understanding of what God was doing in the early age of the church, the first, uh, century church. Okay. So comprehending this, um, necessitates a proper understanding of important terms that are found in some translations of the New Testament, okay? Now, those terms are the last days, the end of the world, and the word judgment, okay? So, we're still studying this parousia of Jesus because all three of these phrases describe things that we all associate with his parousia. So, you know, a lot of us think that when this coming would happen or does happen or will happen or whatever (laughs) phrase you want to use, that um, this is when Jesus executes judgment. Um, His saints, dead and alive, are to go, go to be with him. Uh, the physical world then, with all the wicked people, are left on it to be 
annihilated and go through all this crazy Armageddon apocalyptic stuff. That's the, the basic view in Western culture, okay? And I used to believe that too. And so, so most of you probably hold that view of the end of the world, okay? And um, most, most of these, uh, these three events then are things that most associate with this parousia, the second coming of Christ, okay? We, we all believe Jesus um, is coming in the last days. We believe he's coming at the end of the world and that his coming then is judgment day. So if we can find the when these things are supposed to occur or when they have occurred, right. Or will be occurring. Then that helps us on the, the like understanding better when the last days happened, because I believe they're the last days are the past days. Okay. So, um, now you're you're going to see there'll be the three events are interrelated so it's difficult to se- separate them okay so they'll be overlapped okay so um like you there and there may be some repetitive stuff from the first two from the sermons okay so i would ask are we living in the last days now that we're in the 21st century okay so uh n- well the old testament <laughs> um is really good at telling us that okay the the when okay of the question that like does the bible say the last days uh were or will be like um the the last days and the final days of what you we should ask okay so let's see what we could find okay so the old testament as i was going to say contains all these prophecies about a day of the Lord and particularly the last days. Okay. But none of them indicate that any days in the old Testament were that last day. So the prophecies all refer to something or sometime beyond the days of the old Testament. Okay. So we can read several old Testament prophecies about the last days or a last day, but I'm just going to use one because its fulfillment is beyond uh, questioning, okay? Because it's plainly stated in the New Testament, and it's a rather pat, uh, a rather popular or famous passage, and it's in Joel uh, chapter two. Let me pull it up here. Joel tap, chapter two and twenty-eight and twenty-nine. <clears throat> okay, the Lord will pour out His Spirit is the heading that men has given this section. And it says, uh, I'm going to click on this little footnote, chapter 3, 1 in Hebrew, okay. Um, And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters will shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit. Okay, so... On the day of Pentecost, the Spirit was poured out on on those that were there. All right, the onlookers mocked these believers. They accused them of being drunk. Peter came to their defense, went on to preach the sermon. Uh, for those who are not, uh, he he goes on to say, "Well, let's go to it." <laughs> so just so I don't paraphrase it, he's quoting Joel. Uh, it's Acts two. 15 
and 17. He says, for these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants, in those days I will pour out my, my spirit, and they shall prophesy. Verse 18 there. All right, so in his very first sermon, Peter uses a text from Joel. He declares that the pouring out of the Spirit on this day of Pentecost was the fulfillment of Joel's prophecy, and he further declares that this event had happened in the last days. All right, I keep hitting the microphone. Sorry. (laughs) Okay, so... Peter plainly is stating that the last days were in existence at the Feast of Pentecost in the year 30 A.D. Okay, so some people don't believe that or they think it's a continuation. I thought it was a continuation as well. Just we've been in the last days for 2,000 years, but those are long last days. Okay, people believe Peter was mistaken, which is is that's. A big problem if he was. Um, <laughs> if he's wrong, then that's a, a a big problem. Okay, so, but those who say Peter were wrong are that they're still looking today for the fulfillment of Joe's prophecy, and that can't be. It's not going to happen. It was a fulfillment, and no, we're not going to get double fulfillment. The spirit that was poured out then is the spirit that's over the earth. It's the Holy Spirit. Okay, so. You, you got to ask, you know, if Peter wrote this and he was wrong, um, <laughs> he's going to be wrong about a lot of things. So I feel like I'm re- repeating myself, but um, and I feel like I've I've I honestly feel like I've recorded this several times, to be honest with you. But um, <laughs> let's just look. You know, we know we should know that Peter was telling the truth. Okay, he understood Joel's prophecy, and the church was founded in the last days, just as he says. Okay, and it should become more obvious as we continue to look at more scripture. So we'll look at Hebrews uh, chapter one. I know some of this was in. I do know some of this was in the sermon. So um, that's why it's reap repetitive but it's good to have repetition on something like this because it helps us see uh this better okay so hebrews 1 1 and 2 long ago at many times and in many ways god spoke to our fathers by the prophets but in these last days he has spoken to us by his son whom he appointed the heir of all things through whom uh, also he created the world okay so God, we know God spoke to the fathers by the prophets in the days of the Old Testament. Okay, so we have Moses and the prophets, the law and the prophets. So we also know that he spoke to 2,000 years ago by, uh, by and through his son, Jesus. Okay, in these last days, in the days of the New Testament. So this verse says that when God sent Jesus to speak to his people, it was the last days it was the time of the last days so the last days were in existence when jesus preached and as we heard from peter they were still 
it was still in existence when the apostles began to preach at Pentecost. So if the last days were in existence 2,000 years ago, how can we be living in those days today? Okay, so um, if we know that we cannot stretch it out that far and it to be today, and we can't, okay, the last days then began in Jesus' day, okay? Um, to say that it began in the first century and we're still in those days today, we don't have any biblical support at all for that position but most people still want to believe it okay um we're very guilty of this so it's quite a stretch for us to say that we're still in those last days in the 21st century all right and and that the church has been in that for 2000 years okay and that it's going the last days are going to accumulate in our generation we're going to see these things and it's going to unfold before our whole eyes okay so the whole age of moses and the old covenant lasted only like 1500 years so it's very unreasonable then for us to say that the last days have extended or stretched for 2000 years and is still going okay so the last days were in the days in the first century the times of jesus and his apostles okay so peter and hebrews clearly plainly state this in that time okay audience the original audience relevance okay the original hearers or readers of these uh epistles and were there at these events would would have heard we're in the last days okay so uh it becomes even even more clear right and i john first john 2 8 says little children it is the last hour Okay, so we have a new term, the last hour. So whenever the period of the last days would arrive, eventually the last day would finally come, and it follows that on that last day that the last hour would come. Okay, because the clock would count down to that time, to zero. So what is John saying? So it's just like Peter. John understood the last days. He knew to what pertained to the last days he knew what signs jesus had given to him and to the other apostles regarding these times in matthew 24 and the olivet discourse and john looked around and everything that was occurring in their known world and he knew that the time of the ending of the last days was getting so close that it was the last hour so he's seeing that the last days were about to end so he abandons that the whole that term the last days and makes it more imminent by saying the last hour. So John's warning the children and his followers that the last days were almost over. And so actually he's encouraging them just to hold on a little bit longer that they were so near to the ending of the last days that he says it's the last hour. And to be sure they got his point, he said it again. All right, so if in John's day it was the last hour of the last days, it's totally impossible for it to be uh, 2,000 years later, okay? So (laughs) we cannot, like, and if it is 2,000 years later, we're not only stretching out days now, we're stretching out an hour for 2,000 years. And that's totally 
unreasonable when you think about it, okay? So the last days were going to end shortly after John wrote his epistles, okay? So if they, they didn't, though, oh, what a, you know, what a problem. John was misleading his, these children he's writing to, but he wasn't doing that, okay? The last days did end soon, and uh, we'll, we'll look at uh, that again. Um, it's maybe, I don't know if we'll look at it again now or some other time. So we have found that the last days were in the time of Jesus. Okay. Hebrews one, one, two, and his apostles acts two at Pentecost. And as these days neared their end, John stopped talking about the last days and began to speak on the last hour and even mentions that the antichrist and many antichrist were around in that time. All right. So. There's another question then. Um, the last days of what? And I know you've heard me say it, but what it what what was in its final closing days in the New Testament, right? At at the at that time was anything coming to an end? Was anything in the days of the early church passing away, right? Now we would all agree that many things were happening and they were in their last and final days. All right, but many things um, were were going on there that we don't take an account to the word the last days. Okay, so the age of Moses and the prophets is what was in its last days. It was passing away, making way for the age of the kingdom of Jesus and his church. All right, so Hebrews 8 13 says the age of the old covenant was in its last days and passing away, making room for the new covenant. All right. So the age of being in God's family uh, by virtue of being born a natural descendant of Abraham was ending. Okay. In the coming age, anyone was going to be, uh, could be in the family of God through faith in Jesus. So, the age of natural old covenant Jerusalem or Israel being the place where men ought to worship was given away to the time when you shall uh, neither in, in this mountain or at Jerusalem worship the father. Instead, men would be able to worship God anywhere in the world in spirit and in truth. And that's John 4, 2024. Okay, so the Levitical priesthood was in its last days and being replaced by the followers, the disciples of Jesus, who were a royal priesthood. So this old physical material Jerusalem and Israel was in its last days and it would be gone. Okay, and in its place was coming this new spiritual city, the Jerusalem, which is above the mother of us all, the city of the living God, the, the heavenly Jerusalem that was about to come. Okay. And that's Galatians 4, 26, Hebrews 12, 22, Hebrews 13, 14. So the law of Moses with the, the condemnation, the ministry of death was in its last days. It was being replaced by the new covenant by the grace of Jesus with its love and forgiveness. So Jesus had said that heaven and earth shall pass away in this generation. Okay. And that's exactly what was happening to everything pertaining to the world of Judaism. So 
the way was being made for the promised new heavens and, and a new earth where righteousness would dwell. And this is the world of Jesus and his church. Okay, so that you can cross-reference Isaiah 65, 17 and 2 Peter 3, 13. Okay, so understanding this is very crucial in your eschatology and then being able to actually read scripture better and interpreting with a first century lens. Okay, so there was judgment to come. Okay, the, the sum of the list is that all things from the world and times of old natural Israel were in their last days and fading away. Okay, and uh, let's see here. Most, most had already gone. They were scattered uh, among uh, their captors for centuries earlier, but they maintained the old order of things. Okay, they had the law, the priesthood, the sacrifices, the feast days, and the the rituals, and all of these were in their last days and passing away. So even the physical city itself and the temple were in their last days because they were destined shortly for destruction as part of God's judgment on the nation uh, per the covenant that they were in when you read the cursings and the blessings. So the whole world of Judaism was on the verge of actually just coming completely down, crumbling, coming to the end, and this is what the biblical last days are all about. Okay, so if you've been following and listening, you, you should start to see then what things were in their last and final days within the first century. And if you are, then you're beginning to see then what the last days were actually all about. And they have nothing to do with you and I today the last days were all about the things in the new testament times okay the first century that were literally in their last and final days of existence and on that verge of being obsolete and passing away they were all the last days were all about the times and days of the first century church this time of jesus and the apostles okay they were all about the ending of the age of of moses and the establishment of the kingdom, which is spiritual. And that happened 2,000 years ago. Okay, so the biblical last days um, are over and they're done with, <laughs> right? Okay, so let's look at Isaiah. Um, let me, I got to pull it up. Okay, we're going to go to the book of Isaiah. Um, and we'll look at chapter 51 <clears throat> Isaiah 51 15 and 16 what does it say I am the Lord your God who stirs up the sea so that it so that its waves roar the Lord of hosts is his name and I have put my words in your mouth and covered you in the shadow of my hand establishing the heavens and laying the foundations of the earth and saying to Zion you are my people okay so here God is saying that he brought Israel across the Red Sea and then at Mount Sinai he put his words in their mouth by giving him the covenant his law and he established them as his people 
Okay, so the reason why I bring this up is because in in establishing Israel as a nation, God said that he created a heavens and an earth. He's not speaking of the natural, physical, material heavens and earth as they already existed that he created in Genesis 1. He's referring to this new nation of Israel with its law and this unique uh, covenant, the system that he has placed as a new heavens and earth, which he had created. So when Jesus says in Matthew 24, 35, that heaven and earth shall pass away, he's speaking of the heaven and earth that he had created when he established Israel at Sinai. So that's what's going on. So just as Jesus prophesied about all those terrible things that were coming upon that generation in Matthew 21, 22, and 23, and 24, um, he then makes this statement that heaven and earth shall pass away. So it's it's not easy to see what he's referring to um, or what he was referring not to the natural heaven and earth, but to the to the heaven and earth that... Let me start that line over. I get very, my mind's racing. It should be, once you hear this and look at that in Isaiah, it should be easy to see that he is referring not to physical material heaven and earth, but to the heaven and earth that was the old covenant, what that was the Jewish people. And so that whole world of Judaism into which Christ was born then was completely gone and destroyed by the Romans. And these times were the biblical last days. Okay, now, um, Paul Paul says from from the form of this, for the form of this world is passing away. Paul was saying that the thing that was the fashion and the form of the of their world was passing passing away, and it was a present tense is passing away it was an ongoing process as paul was writing that so the only thing in fashion in that day if you will was judaism paul was saying the world of judaism was coming to its end and it was in its final days and in the process of passing away okay so christianity and the church the body of christ was in its first days in john um, that verse I read from Paul was 1 Corinthians 7.31. Now, John in 1 John 2.17 says the world is passing away. So again, it was presently occurring when in John's day. The world is passing away. It's the world of the Jews, of the old covenant system, uh, of Jerusalem, and it was in its last days and its final days and passing away. So again, this was the, the biblical last days. So Paul and John could not be talking about our natural world because if so, then the world has been passing away for nearly 2,000 years and that doesn't make any sense. So even if they had been talking about the natural physical world, they had absolutely no reason to warn the people then, because we're still around today and the world is still still spinning. Okay, so a world that would be passing away thousands of years later would not have affected them at all. All right, so you have to think about these things. Um, so I've purposely not mentioned the end of the world here, okay? <laughs> um, but the world was... The world that was coming to an end was not the physical heavens and earth. It should 
it should be obvious by now is with many episodes as I've put out, it's, it should be obvious. Okay. So, uh, that, that heaven and earth was, was Jews and Judaism. Um, it was in the closing days. Okay. So in its a place, in its place was, uh, was coming up was the church, uh, the body of Christ, the new heavens and earth, the new covenant where all men could live and dwell spiritually, where all men could worship and please God from anywhere on earth and not go to Jerusalem three times a year. And, and, and I mean, you got to think about that, that, that if those things have been fulfilled, like they ended, how did they end? They passed away. Okay. So, uh, first or second Corinthians three eleven says, uh, for if that, which fades away with, or uh, I'm sorry for if that which fades away was with glory, much more that which remains is in glory. Okay, so earlier in this chapter, Paul compared the ministration or ministry of death, which was the law of Moses, with this ministry of the Spirit, the grace, the new covenant of Jesus, and he said that the law had its glory. But its glory was nothing when compared to the glory of the grace that we now have in this new covenant with Jesus. And then he adds in verse that I just read, he, he adds that and it, that saying that it's easy to see that Paul saying that the law, the old covenant, this ministry of death, that it was in its closing days, fading away, passing away. But the thing that would remain was the grace, the new covenant of Jesus this ministration of righteousness because it's so much better and much more glorious. All right. So then, then we have in first John two, eight, that the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Wow. Now, can you see that the darkness, which was in the last days and in the process then of, of dying or passing away was the old covenant, the old system of condemnation and death Okay, in its place already was shining the true light, the gospel of Jesus. So light was replacing darkness. Grace was replacing the law. Forgiveness was replacing condemnation and life replacing death. Now, let me just stop and people will say, well, how can all that be? Because look around where you're expecting a physical manifestation instead of the spiritual and that's what jesus was always talking about is spiritual okay everything in the old testament is type and shadow and now we have the substance which is jesus okay he comes to fulfill the types and shadow okay from physical material to something better which is spiritual yes he came in the physical form of man but what he does is far greater than what any actual real man can do he was 100 percent man but he was 100 percent god he could act as high priest and sacrifice and die and fulfill what the law demanded and take our place and in that from spiritual death we enter into spiritual life because of that grace so the futurists who want to say we can't be in a kingdom age we can't be in the new heavens and new earth if that's just the new covenant because look around to that i say we live in a world with two descendants those of adam and those of christ all right we 
we are guilty when we say that can't be the case. We are guilty of exactly the same thing as the Jews in the first century were guilty of, that Jesus certainly cannot be the Messiah because he's supposed to be a militant leader that comes and destroys the Roman Empire and sets his kingdom up on earth where everyone will bow to us and we'll be the chosen people. And Jesus says, no, the kingdom comes without observation. And he says, it's in your midst. He says, it's within you. He says to Pilate, if my kingdom was of this world, my servants would come fighting. But they didn't because it's not of this world. Why? Because it's spiritual. Okay? So you have to put on that spiritual lens. Now, all of this was an ongoing process in the first century from 30 to 70 AD. So the law of Moses was in its last days, okay? It's dying out, but the gospel of Jesus was rising and filling all of the land. Okay, so one more point here on Hebrews 8, 8, it says, I will make a new covenant. And in that, he says, a new covenant. He had made the first uh, obsolete, okay? Um, the An older translation says, now that which decayeth and waxeth old is ready to vanish away so what can be added to that that should be plain the old covenant was in its last days it was old it was decaying in the throes of death and ready to vanish away the greek text says that it was near disappearing and this is the biblical last days we're not living in those days today we have seen from scripture from the bible that the last days were in the time of the first century of the early church age the last days were all about the ending of the covenant the old covenant world they have nothing to do with the days and times in which we live today they were in the days and times of jesus and the apostles and they existed during the period of transition from the law of moses to the grace of Jesus. The last days are over. They're done. They reach their end. When that transition was fully completed in 70 AD with the destruction of Jerusalem, the temple, the Jewish people, the whole religious system and their way of life. So we should be able to conclude that from what we have looked at, that the last days had a lifespan of about uh, seven de decades, lasting from the birth of, of Christ to the destruction of Jerusalem by the Roman army in 70 AD. So um, nothing, nothing in the Bible in any way says that the last days are ongoing. All right, we've actually looked at a ton of scriptures that have shown not just in this episode, but in the entirety of last day stuff in eschatology that 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 have revealed to us exactly what the last days were all about. It shows us that the things that were coming to their end, fading away, were in their final days was the old covenant. And I've not even begun to exhaust the verses that say <laughs> that say what we've already looked at. But that's it, really. So, um, I, I think another question then would be the the about the resurrection. So, just real short part on that. If we, I know that if we associate associated any one subject with the last days, all right, in the parousia of Jesus, 
it's the resurrection of the dead. Okay, so while the resurrection as a subject is altogether different, but I've done, it's not altogether different, but it's just a whole other, whole other study, if you will. Okay, but I've done episodes on that. Okay, but um, we we know that the resurrection and the last day are intertwined in the Bible. Okay, so uh, before I stop with the last day stuff, then I'll show you how I see. Um, how Jesus' promises um, to raise up his followers at the last day. Okay, so the last days, uh, my understanding has brought me to a different view and uh, perception of the resurrection. Okay, so no, nobody would deny that Jesus taught the resurrection would occur at the last day. Um, and the, these we see that the last days were in the first century. And ending with uh, the all these events in 70 AD, so the biblical last days, the last days have come. So this means then that the resurrection also came. So whenever the last day of the last days arrived by 70 AD, then the resurrection had to have come too. All right. So and this is what Jesus promised many times, right? Eat my flesh, drink my blood, have eternal life. I will raise him up at the last day. Uh, and and um. Paul had said that the hope of the resurrection was the hope of Israel in Acts 26, 6 and 8. Um, uh, and in Acts 23, 6, he's, uh, Paul was preaching the hope of the resurrection. He's arrested for preaching that. He says, I am a Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee. Of the hope and resurrection of the dead, I am called into question. So when when did did Paul get, where did Paul get that doctrine of the resurrection? Well, you know, he's, he's told us in a couple of passages, he said he believed all things which are written in the law and in the prophets. This is Acts 24, 14. Then he further declared that in his preaching, he said that none other things than those which the prophets and Moses did, uh, did say should come, Acts 26, 22. So the hope of the resurrection that Paul preached uh, came from the law and the prophets and was the hope of Israel. So the question then is if the hope of the resurrection was Israel's hope and if that hope came straight out of the law and the prophets, then why was Paul arrested for teaching it? And only one reason could really exist, I think, um, and it's the same reason that the apostles were arrested in, in Acts chapter 4. And just... Um, at, it, it, just like them, I believe Paul preached that through Jesus came the resurrection of the dead. So the religious leaders wanted nothing, not even a resurrection, if it had to come through Jesus. And this is why they had Paul arrested then. If he had left Jesus out of his resurrection sermons, um, he could have probably stayed out of jail. But we know he's not going to do that because he was called to be an apostle. All right, so... Many of them would believe that the Old Testament saints and the New Testament saints who had died were resurrected when the parousia happened in 70 AD. Okay? It only makes sense that they were in a waiting place or they, you know, they were in Abraham, Abraham's bosom or they were in this intermediate state and they were resurrected when this coming in judgment happened okay so to, i i don't believe that abraham and, and old testament 
uh, other Old, Old Testament faithful saints and even the apostles are waiting to be resurrected because this parousia came as they expect, expected and ushered them into eternity with him. So if Abraham is still waiting to be resurrected, and then resurrected, then the coming of Jesus, <laughs> what did that do uh, for him? And people may be offended by that, but he waited hundreds and hundreds of years for Jesus to come and bring his a reward. And now he has waited 2000 more years and still counting Okay, but if you can grasp the facts that Abraham would be resurrected at the last day and the last day has come, then it should also be easy then to see that the resurrection has come. And Paul said in Acts 24, 15, that there shall be a resurrection. He says, actually, there is about to be a resurrection. And the Greek word mellow is used in, in that verse, that there is about to be a resurrection. And that was 2,000 years ago. The, the Greek text says, a resurrection about to be. So how can the Bible be true, the infallible inspired word of God and the resurrection that was about to be in Paul's day still not have come to pass? All right. Now, it's definitely other, other, another podcast should be done, but I've done that biblical resurrection. I've done two episodes on it. All right. So. It, it is a subject that's worthy of more time. I'm just throwing it and tagging it on here at the end. But I've already done the episodes on that. So uh, I believe that with the coming, the parousia of Christ in 70 AD, that I see that the resurrection of all the dead in Christ, okay, happened. So with the work of salvation complete, Jesus had no need to come again to do anything else. He raised all of his dead saints at that last day and ushered in a new day in which his followers no longer need such a resurrection. Why? Because I believe today under this new covenant, the dead are no longer uh, waiting in their graves for to be resurrected at a last day, right? Jesus had to have fixed all all of that with his death, his burial, his resurrection, and that parousia. So we just go on when we die. If Abraham's still waiting, awaiting resurrection, and if when we die we join him in waiting, then the new covenant offers nothing better than the old because we're not only granted salvation but eternal life. Okay, but it does offer something better. Better, All right? And the, so the end of this earthly life for Christians then are immediately brought into eternity with God, all right? And it was not the way in Old Testament days. But now that Jesus has accomplished all the work of redemption, then we hear him say, blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from now on, which is Revelation 14, 13. All right, so that's biblical last days more of it so i couldn't help myself i had to go for it and just uh do some more because i like it that much <laughs> and it's it's really changed my view on a lot of things all right there's another episode if you have any questions comments disagreements send them my way at the kingdom project podcast at gmail.com and until next time uh be a mustard seed be 11 thanks for listening